Now, dear Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be always acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Even though we are separated this morning, we know that you are our strength and our redeemer, that we hold to you fast today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, uh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Because Santa Claus is coming to town. And he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sake. As a child, I love that song. As an adult and a parent, I look back at it, and it's terrible theology to be teaching our kids. I mean, think about it just for a second. Don't pout. Don't cry. Because this semi-divine character, this all-knowing moralistic being, this guy with a, a light or an eye in the sky is looking down on you. He knows everything that you're doing. You better be good, for goodness sake. Better be good, for goodness sake. I mean, really. And don't we sometimes teach our kids, just, just be good. Honesty is the best policy. Observe the rules. Absolutely. Play fair. Be nice. Do good. And some of us adults, we grow up with that and we apply it to God. That the backbone of being good or being Christian is simply to try harder, tamp down sin, be good for goodness sake. Bishop Allison, three bishops ago for the Diocese of South Carolina, told that this view of Christianity is teeth-gritten Christianity. Do good, try hard, tamp down sin, be good for goodness sake. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones commented on our passage today, and, and that comes from Ephesians chapter 5. He was a great English reformer, a Welchman, who was influential in the reformed wing of the British evangelical movement. He preached for 30 years in London, and he said this about the message we're about to read in Ephesians 5. He said, Paul's exact method of dealing with sin which is also the method of every writer of the New Testament, is that it is essential, the essential approach of the New Testament concerning all manner of con conduct or behavior or ethics or morality is this principle. He said, what is this method that the entire New Testament uses? It is always starting with doctrine. It's always in terms of the truth of the gospel of what we've believed in Jesus that is what Martin Lloyd-Jones says is the differentia of Christian ethics. The difference. Every other world religion says, be good, do good, here are the laws, here are the rules, do these things and God will love you. Christianity says, God loves you. God loves you infinitely, profoundly, amazingly. And because he loves you, there's a lifestyle and an ethic and a virtue that Christians embrace. So let's look at that. This morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to chapter 5 of Ephesians. Corey just did a great job in running uh, over that passage. Um, it's a great passage. Um, and Paul in there basically is saying to us, if you've got a, a problem with immorality, it's a doctrine problem. It's a doctrine problem. Verses 1 and 2, Paul says this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. That's the doctrine that shapes the rest of this passage, the first doctrine in those two verses. 
the doctrine of family likeness. Be imitators of God, Paul says, because you're beloved children of God. Imitators. I don't know how many of you had good fathers growing up, fathers that you would even want to uh, imitate in any way, but, but think about this. Think about this if you have a heavenly father who is absolutely pure and good and holy and kind and loving and forgiving and gracious Who wouldn't want to be an imitation of that father? Who wouldn't want to reflect the family values and the family likeness into the world? And that's what Paul says we're doing as Christians. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says that, And we all one day will stand with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, as we are being transformed into the same image of the Lord from one degree to another. We're growing into the family likeness. We become imitators of God because we're children of God. Fathers, if you've had this happen to you, I know I've had it happen to me. You're growing, your kids are growing up and you're doing something mundane. Uh, Maybe you're before the mirror in the morning just shaving, just a mundane thing like shaving. And then you see your child behind you with a toy in hand, mimicking, imitating the very thing that you're doing. Or, Or maybe you're out cutting the grass and All of a sudden, you see your son out there with a toy lawnmower, imitating, mimicking. Not because he has to, but because he wants to. He wants to be like daddy. Daddy loves him, and he wants to be like his father. And that's what Paul's saying. The first doctrine is be imitators of God because you are his beloved children. The second doctrine this morning is the doctrine of the gospel itself. Look at verse 2. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know what Paul's basic thing is there? We should be so thankful for God sending his only son to us to save us, so appreciative of every drop of atoning blood that he bled on the cross, so thankful for every amount of punishment that he took in his flesh so that we would not have to bear it on our behalf, that we should overflow with love for God and love for others. St. Paul is saying that punishment is not your motivation. Fear of hell is not why you follow Jesus and do good things and why you have virtue in your life. It's love that's the motivation. We love because Jesus first loved us. In a few minutes, we're gonna, hopefully, if you have bread and wine in your home, we're gonna ask you to join with us at the Eucharist as you celebrate the Agape Love Feast. And we'll ask you to pass the bread and pass the wine, and we'll have some prayers said over it. But we will pass it with these words from 1 John chapter 4. We love because Christ first loved us. We love because Christ first loved us. So Paul says those two doctrines, everything else flows from that. In other words, it is the root that determines your fruit as a Christian. And that's what this sermon's about. It's the root that determines your fruit as a Christian. Be imitators of the Father, walk in love as Christ loved you, and then you'll begin to want to produce great fruit to the glory of the Father, to reflect his glory into the world. But we don't often operate like that, do we? I mean, I'm more motivated by punishment and fear sometimes than I am by love and imitation. I know that if you put a sign on the road that says, state law, drive 55, guess what? 
I'm going to drive 64. Now, everybody knows that. 64 is, is the, the mythical number that you can drive and not get a ticket. We assume that most cops are not going to stop you unless you go 65 in a 55. I don't even know if that's true, but, but you know what I'm saying. It's not the law that motivated me to drive a certain speed limit. It was the fear of punishment. It's the fear of punishment. And the bottom line is you're going to do what you want to do. In every category of your life, you're going to do what you want to do. The object of Christianity is to so embrace Christ and his love and the gospel that your want-tos, your have-tos are changed into want-tos. And your want-tos become things that God wants you to do. Paul calls them the fruits of the Spirit. That if you are a Christian and you're deeply rooted in the gospel, the doctrine of God, you're going to be richly planted in a soil of goodness. So parents, I just as a side note, uh, I would say not to make your goal raising moral kids because you can't make them be moral. You can't do this. But you can point them to Jesus and a father who embraced them as beloved children you can show them the doctrine of the Father's love, then you can hand them over to the Holy Spirit and let God do the rest. Root rot. Paul goes on to describe in verse 3 and following to paint a picture of an immoral person, an immoral life, what that looks like. Look at verse 3 with me. Paul says, but, but. So he's painted a doctrinal picture of Christians, and then he says, but. It's a conjunction. He's meant to, to draw a contrast between the life in Christ and the immoral life. He says this, verse 3, But if you don't get your doctrine right, it will lead to sexual immorality, purity, and covetousness. Verse 4, If you don't get your doctrine right, it will lead to filthiness and foolish talk and crude joking. But if you don't get your doctrine right, verse 5, For this you may be sure of, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or covetous, or an idolater, will not inherit the kingdom of Christ and God. Doctrine. The root produces the fruit. Paul says, if you don't get the doctrine right, this is going to be your fruit. It's not out of punishment. It's not out of guilt. It's not out of fear. But he's saying, get the root right, and these things will, will flee. They will be out of your life. So Paul's painting the vivid picture of what it means to have root rot. One of my hobbies is to grow plants and trees in my yard, and I like to tackle strange things like tropical trees. We've got avocados and lemons and bananas, and it's always a sad thing when you put in all that work to, to cultivate this beautiful tree, and then the leaves start turning brown. Or maybe the fruit in the spring starts falling off. And you know from what you see that this plant, this tree is struggling, is struggling. But the one thing that I've learned when I see the signs of struggle, just as Paul pointed out the signs of sin, is that it's not a problem above ground, it's a problem below ground. It's typically a root problem. Either the plant was planted too deep and it's suffocating, or it wasn't planted wide enough in a big enough hole and therefore it becomes root bound and stunted. I may not have fertilized it enough, and maybe the soil's not draining well, which causes root rot. The point here being is that what you see above ground is not what's killing the tree. It's not the fruit that's the problem. It's the root. The root determines 
the fruit. So Paul paints this picture of, of people who have root rot because they're not planted in the good soil of the Father's love. They're without deep nourishment in the grace of Jesus Christ. They can't walk in love as Christ loved them. Their behavior is maybe what you see on the surface, but it's really a root problem. Sexual immorality, covetousness, idolatry, filthiness, impurity. The problem is below the surface. But there's this astounding picture, and I'll leave you with this, this beautiful picture of people who have loved the Father. They want to imitate the Father. They know his love for them, and they know Jesus, and they know his fragrant sacrifice, and they know that he died for their sins. For those that get the doctrine right, look at verse 8. But now you are light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. Verse 9. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Isn't that beautiful? Paul once again does a but. But here's the contrast between the children of darkness, the children of disobedience, and the children of the Lord. Walk in light. For the fruit of light is in everything that is good and right and true. But how do we do this? Well, remember my tree analogy, okay? Hold on to that just for a second. A tree in the spring does not have to work hard to produce good fruit. It doesn't have to strive hard, doesn't have to work for that fruit, doesn't have to squeeze it out by tremendous effort. No, the tree just must be planted in the right kind of soil. And that's why Paul always starts with doctrine. He tells us who we are in God and the right fruits flow out from there. The root is the problem, but the root in good soil produces the good fruit. In Galatians 5, Paul expounds on this. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The law can't make you be good. The law can't motivate you. Fear of punishment can't motivate you. Only the fruit of the Spirit, which is the gift from the Father. Now imagine Imagine the father in glory when he sees his sons and daughters walking in purity and holiness, not because they have to out of fear, but because they want to imitate out of love. Several years ago, my oldest son, Christian, was, um, had his first girlfriend, and we had this great game room. I mean, there's room over the garage. Uh, we had shuffleboard. Uh, we had darts. We had pool. We had a big screen TV with Dolby surround sound. And the kids, the teenagers, loved to gather there. And he had this first girlfriend, and he said, Dad, can we go up and watch movies? And, and we allowed that, but I know as a father that you put two 16-year-olds in a room by themselves, and bad things can happen, right? Okay, we won't go any further than that. Uh, but we had tried to teach them morality, good from evil, right from wrong. But I wasn't okay with that. I thought maybe the fear of punishment might work, so... I told Leslie, I'm going to get a camera, and I'm going to put it up in the game room, and I'm going to let Christian know that, that there is punishment for those who do not abide by God's laws. And Leslie said, no, you're not, the woman of wisdom. She said, you're not going to do that. After all, you can't motivate our son out of fear. That's not love. That's not love. And she was right. And then on one summer day, he's upstairs watching uh, a, a movie with his girlfriend about noon, and I've got to go to work, and Leslie's gone grocery shopping, and she'll be home in a few minutes. But I, I go up there and, and tell Christian, Dad's got to leave for work in a few minutes. Just wanted to let you know. And uh, Mom's going to get groceries, but she'll be back in a minute. 
And uh, I went out to get my laptop because I needed to send an email. And I slammed the car door. And Christian came down quickly from that upper room, said, Dad, Dad, where are you going? Where are you going? I said, well, I'm not going anywhere quite yet. I had to get my laptop. He said, oh, thank goodness. I thought you were going to leave me here alone in the upper room. You know what he was saying in that? He was saying that I want to do the right thing because I want the right thing. I want to honor my father and mother because I love you guys. I want to imitate my father in heaven. And it didn't take an eye in the sky. And it didn't take a video camera. It didn't take the fear of punishment. He wanted to want the things that God wanted in his life. So Paul says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I'll end with the application. It's the fruit root that defines the fruit for a Christian. So if you have in Lent neglected some of your root work, then take this time to let God, the great master gardener, work on your heart. In verse 14, Paul gives us a promise. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. If you have allowed root rot to set in, draw near to the Father. He loves you, and you are his child. Come back to him in prayer, in worship, in Bible study. Bring your family together and begin to bear the fruits of righteousness. If in Lent, during this time of virus, you have been challenged by this to walk in love as Christ loved us, we're going to have abundant opportunities to love other people in the name of Jesus, to reach out to our neighborhoods, to love on our families, to tell them how much we love them, spend time with them, to be there for your church family, to reflect the glory of God's love out into Somerville and the surrounding communities. I'll end with this. The root will determine the fruit every time. So maybe you need to be repotted, watered, fertilized. Come back to God with all your heart. Let the master gardener do the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.